This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. As the song goes, three is the magic number. And on the weekend, Manchester City lifted their third straight Premier League title. We ask, is Pep Guardiola the greatest manager English football has ever seen? It's Monday the 22nd of May. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And I'm Ollie Kirsch. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. A big thank you to our sponsor, Discount Dragon. The best place to find bargains as good as Julian Alvarez with food, drink and household products all available for affordable prices. If you want to make even more savings on the big brands at better value, you can get an extra 5% off all orders using the code CITYPODSAVE. That's 5% off all orders with the code CITYPODSAVE. Limited time only, terms and conditions apply, UK only. Well then, chaps, back again. They never get old, them days. Do they? Another Premier League title lift in the bag and hopefully, fingers crossed, the start with the, the best things yet to come. Who knows? Um, quick disclaimer, as you know, as expected, this is sort of going to be a Champions debrief more than a Chelsea review. I assume everybody's okay with that because it wasn't the most memorable game, let's put it that way. But we will sort of quickly tick the box and we'll speak a bit about Chelsea. Before we do, though, Adam Booker, um, two years into City Report podcast champions. I, I think we're just the lucky charm. We have never lost a, a league since we started this podcast. 
Yes, which I guess means that we are now locked into a lifetime contract of speaking to each <laughs> hey, other Monday right through me. Friday. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I'll absolutely take that. Um, Ollie Kirsch, Manchester City champions of England. Yet again, I'd have taken the one in 2012 um, and I'd have taken that in terms of silverware. We're racking them up and, and Manchester United on 13 Premier League trophies. Dare we say, a few more years could be there. Yeah, we, we are racking them up. We are catching them up. Uh, United don't look like they're going to threaten us anytime soon. I don't believe for as long as at least we've got Pep Guardiola that they will. So, you know, we, we're on seven. They're on 13 in the Premier League era only. If Pep stays long enough, then I don't see why not. Um, mm. It's just just a matter of time in it because his, his actual success rate percentage-wise, what is it? He's only had three seasons in management or two seasons where he's not won a league title. <laughs> yeah. Something stupid. So, yeah, matter of time. If Pep sticks around long enough, absolutely we will be overtaking them in, in every quantifiable measure that we can. Um, yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. There's the incentive, Hosep. Stick around and overtake Alex Ferguson. Um, Adam, let, let's sort of work our way backwards, kind of. It was a weird day at the, at the Etihad Stadium. I have to say, obviously, the game very much playing second fiddle to what had gone on before. But sort of in the middle of a Saturday evening, lovely weather in the UK. I don't know what it was like in Portland, but Nottingham Forest. Springer, a shock result, 1-0, City champions. They seem to have a sort of, um, a, a quite a habit of winning league titles without actually playing, which I think probably says more about the competition than City themselves. But what did you make of the, the way City won it? Was, did, would you have preferred it at the Etihad Stadium with a sort of something on the line? Or were you quite happy to just say, you know what, after what it looked like the season was going to finish like, to get it done this early is, is pretty bloody impressive. Well, it's kind of a case with, <clears throat> it's one or the other with City, right? It's either the most dramatic circumstances <laughs> that takes years off of all of our lives or, you know, it kind of mm. happens while we're on the golf course, so to speak. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me personally, I kind of had, I was caught in two minds a bit because the the logical side of me just wanted to get it done as quickly as possible. Mm. And that, that's what ended up happening. That's fantastic. Um, but then the more emotional side of me would have loved to see us you know, play a full strength team against Chelsea on the Sunday and win the league, you know, on our own accord, win the league by mm. beating another top six team, if that's what you can call Chelsea these days. Um, on a more personal note, City winning the league on Saturday gave me a horrible afternoon at work. It just had me totally, totally swamped <laughs> at work. Um, so I was, a, I was a bit annoyed by that. that, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and, other than that, I mean, yeah, I was happy just to get it done because, you know, you kind of look ahead at Brentford and Brighton away and it's like, mm. if we go into those two games needing points, it could, the bums could get a little bit, a little bit squeaky. Um, but yeah, just happy to to have it wrapped up in any manner. Yeah, I think the squeaky bum time's probably still to come in the two finals, which obviously we'll do plenty of previewing. But Ollie, it, it was... A canter, really, in the end, wasn't it? I was, I was at Goodison Park, what a mere seven, eight days ago, when Guardiola was marching up to the away end, giving the two fingers, two more games, two more games, two more games. What did he mean by that? Well, quite clearly, two more Arsenal losses would all it would take because he would have to play a Premier League game in between Everton and Chelsea. So after what we thought would be one of the the tightest, most dramatic, potentially title race of all time, yeah, it was pretty comfortable in the end. Doesn't feel it. I'm absolutely <laughs> exhausted, honestly. I mean, I, I, I'm with Booker here. I would always prefer... I wouldn't. You know what? I would miss the drama more 
of a final day or needing to at least win the game to seal it. But we've got plenty of drama to come. You know, we've got an FA Cup final against United at Wembley, which is going to be disgusting from from mm. several days before until hopefully until the final whistle when we've won or potentially if things go wrong days after. And then obviously the Champions League final as well. We've got enough drama on our plates to come. So personally, I was extremely happy that we had this wrapped up. And I think the manner in which it happened, the, the speed in which it turned around was was quite mm. incredible. You know, I think we last played Premier League football at the Etihad when we beat Leeds 2-1. And coming mm. away from the ground then, we had loads to do. We still had loads to do. We had to go to Everton and win. There was a bit of a fallout, wasn't there? If you remember, with, with the penalty situation, was okay. I think I said that was maybe a wake-up call that you needed in that moment because it felt yeah. like it, like the momentum was maybe starting to shift oh a little bit. Oh my God, bit. yeah, that, that was the penalty incident, wasn't it, with Gundo and Haaland? Mm. And that's what I mean, you know, the, 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 the pressure was on because, yes, Arsenal was showing a bit of a wobble, but I don't think any of us believed that they would collapse to the extent they did. And those two things happening at the same time, the Arsenal collapse and City's relentlessness have combined to cause not only an overtake of Arsenal at super speed, but it's like you you, you blink and before you know it, we're mm. champions. So yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that because we've had our fair share of drama over the years. Um, you know, Villa last season at home almost <laughs> killed me and we've got a lot of drama to come. So for at least one of the three to be wrapped up early doors, uh, at least without any kind of heart-stopping moments. Delighted. I'm fine with it. But like I said, I don't feel any less tired. I came away from Villa last season just thinking, I'm so happy we've got a summer break now before the football mm. starts again. I feel the same way now, but inevitably, obviously, in four weeks' time, I'll be absolutely desperate for the football to come back. But yeah, I, I feel no less emotionally exhausted about this Premier League season now than... I did this time last year. Yeah, and and I think that the difference was, like I said, it was it was a fantastic afternoon at the Etihad, but it was a sort of a weird one in the sense because obviously the match didn't matter. Everyone was there for a football game, but that didn't matter. And I think the fact that it was wrapped up beforehand sort of maybe obviously obviously it brought the sort of the tension down a lot but also the fact that there's still two finals to come really sort of played into the fact that in most cases the 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 trophy lift at the Etihad Stadium is the day the final day or the final home game of the season that is the day but the fact these two finals come there's still a big chunk of the campaign or at least in terms of what could be momentous occasions and if and this this was so sort of rudimentary god knows what the two finals will be I, I, we could do with similar sort of easy pickings there but um Adam before we start to sort of move on to the the, the sort of we'll, we'll do a tiny bit of analysis on the Chelsea game um this is Arsenal's results since the international break and and I think I've not got the actual scoreline but I think they beat Leeds in the first game back but since that after that game drawn 2-2 away to Liverpool drew 2-2 away to West Ham drew 3-3 at home to Southampton who at the time obviously were bottom of the table lost 4-1 away to City beat Chelsea 3-1 beat Newcastle 2-0 away lost 3-0 to Brighton at home and lost 1-0 to Nottingham Forest away we can do all the talk in the world about our city Bundesliga for Kate in the Premier League. Are they turning the competition upside down? But I'm sorry, if you're losing that three games and drawing three games in a title running when it matters most, you've got nobody else to blame but yourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, especially you look at the the teams they've dropped points to. You mentioned a few in there that were at the time either 
relegated relegation candidates or you know just hovering above the relegation zone and it's teams that if you're fighting for a title you absolutely have to be beating um mm. i think it is worth mentioning you know obviously there's loads of jokes online of you know posting an image of those results and saying oh it's city's fault but to an extent city influence it because i think city's relentless nature just took a toll on a young team like arsenal i, I think you know the the Klopp Liverpool teams didn't tend to crack under the pressure of of knowing City were a point behind them and winning nine ten on the spin, but you could tell that that Arsenal were starting to to crack a little bit when when City's results started to go, um, and you know we heard the talks of I think it was Mikel Antonio speaking on his podcast saying that they were beginning to talk about City's results within the the Arsenal dressing room and and things like that. So yeah, they, they only have themselves to blame, but you also have to give some credit to City that they put themselves into a position to apply the pressure onto Arsenal. And when they slipped up, they were there to absolutely just go flying past them. So I think it's, it's a little bit of both here. Just another word on the Bundesliga of the Bundesliga. Bundesliga. Bundesligaification of well, it's not in the Oxford book of it's not in the Oxford dictionary, so um, I don't practice that one. But on the Bundesligaification, there we go, of the Premier League, um, two points to make on that. The first one is that this period of dominance by City still does not match the period of dominance that we have seen by Liverpool and by Manchester United. So, Liverpool in the 70s and 80s, United in the 90s and 2000s, they still won a higher percentage of Premier League titles, uh, Premier League seasons over the course of you know, 10, 15 years that their golden era might be categorised into. So that's point number one. So if you didn't have a problem with Liverpool doing it and you didn't have a problem with United doing it, shut up. Secondly, Arsenal are going to say, well, you know, we, we, can't, we, we can be proud because we can't be expected to beat this machine and da, 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 City. But right, Your Arsenal can now get a maximum of 84 points. That is a points total that would have won them the Premier League outright, not including others that have finished on 84. Three of the last 30 seasons. That is not a league-worthy, league-winning worthy points total. Mm. If they lose the next game and finish on 81, I make it, quick glance, um, two or three. It's two not three. a lot. Yeah, it's, it's it, not a lot. It, it's not a lot. Look, at the end of the day, whatever the, the, the exact numbers are, we're talking, you can count them on one hand. Mm. The, the points total that Arsenal are getting of 81 to 84 is not enough. And as Gary Neville said, and this is the first and last time I will ever quote <laughs> Gary Neville, but as he said, it is up to other clubs to figure it out. Mm. And as we've seen on the yeah. banner that's flown around, it was an anchor today and we've seen it a couple of times before. We are not the excuse for your club's failings, right? This is not a City 100-point season, 99-point mm. season, 98-97-point season. This is, by Premier League average standards, a fairly normal league-winning points total. Mm. Arsenal didn't do enough. So there we go. Before we start talking about Bundesligaification, we need to win, a, win it a few more times. And before anyone starts moaning that this is City's fault, not Arsenal's fault, plain wrong. Well, I think we could essentially never get to the to the point of discussing the Bunde, Bundesligaification of the Premier League because the massive, massive difference between the two leagues is that mm. there are clubs that can compete in the Premier League. They have the resources, yeah. they have the money, they have the revenues, they have the TV deals, they have the Champions League money to compete. 
and they just don't compete well enough. They don't recruit well enough. They buy the wrong players. They play the. They pay the wrong players too much money. That's that's not up yeah. to City. You know, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, who, whoever you want to just listing all of the rich clubs in in England. They could have gone out and gotten Manuel Akanji for seventeen million. They could have discovered mm-hmm. Julian Alvarez and got him for fourteen million. There are only two times a year when Manchester City Football Club affects your results, and that's the two times that you play them. <laughs> Outside of that, all of your failures are down to you. It's as simple as that. And and there's a reason, isn't there, why Julian Alvarez came to Manchester City for such a small price tag? It's because it's Manchester City. There's a reason he didn't go to Manchester United, because it's Manchester United. And where would you rather play your football at under Pep Guardiola winning league titles or under Eric Ten Hag, who granted has had a decent enough season, um, obviously hasn't got the juice, hasn't got the 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 sort of the vibes yet to go on and, and win Premier League titles. But I, I do find it interesting, you know, as a as an avid lover of German football, I do find it interesting on the weekend that City wrapped up three in a row the Bundesliga title went to the final day of the weekend with Borussia Dortmund top of the table so who where are we the Farmers League maybe who knows but um, quickly then before we go for the break Adam Julian Alvarez he was the, he was the man who scored the goal against Chelsea we'll do our little box ticking now it is technically a Chelsea review I think you're the only person on this panel who knows anything about that game so um, I'll hand over to you but I think he scored a good goal that's what Footmob's telling me anyway he was the one who got the goal <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you anything about the rest of the match no, he, he scored a fantastic goal, and and him, Foden, and and Cole Palmer were absolutely ripping that Chelsea backline to shreds. I mean, I, I put out a tweet, I think at halftime, that you know that's that's a decorated Spain international Cesar Aspilicueta out there at right back, and Cole Palmer looked like prime Neymar. I mean, he was running rings around Aspilicueta. So yeah, it, it was a fantastic game all in all. If if that was. Um, mm. You know, a, a Wednesday night Carabao Cup tie and, and Pep kind of does that little bit of rotation. You'd be looking at some of these players and saying, well, how do we fit them into the starting lineup the rest of the season? Because some of them were absolutely mm. superb on the day. I think there is a little bit of an asterisk with, you know, I think Chelsea really bought into the idea of it being an exhibition game. Um, and, you know, that Chelsea's been been that way for for a few weeks now, but... Um, the whole season, yeah. basically. Yeah, and uh, it has to be said that the players that did come in that you know may have been a little bit cold sitting on the bench for some of them months on end were fantastic. Calvin Phillips, Sergio mm-hmm. Gomez, um, you know Laporte doesn't get in the starting eleven that much these days. Cole Palmer, Rico Lewis hasn't been in the starting eleven much these days. They were absolutely fantastic, and all I could think about that whole that whole game was this is this is all Pep. He, he is he is the man that instills into these players that the league is already wrapped up. You're not a, a you know a bona fide starter in my team, and you still come out and you play the same way we always play with the same amount of energy, the same level of intensity. And it was pretty astonishing mm-hmm. to see them do that the day after they've already won the league, and the only games on the on the near near horizon are are more exhibition games. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that did impress me. I have to say, I said at half time, it, it was ironic, really that it was probably one of City's best performances of the season because they absolutely battered Chelsea. I know Chelsea came into it a little bit in the second half and I'm always here for a John Stones clearance off the line in a Premier League title and it, it does it does hit hard. But Ollie, um, what did you make of those players who came in? Obviously, you know, it, it's difficult to really make judgments on a Calvin Phillips, on a Sergio Gomez, on a, on, on a Cole Palmer. I thought 
Cole Palmer was pretty excellent, to be honest. Like Adam said, he, he tore um, Aspilicueta to shreds down that right-hand side. The only thing I say with Cole Palmer is that his decision-making probably sometimes lets him down in terms of that split second when he can either shoot or he can pass. He, he almost takes another touch, but that will come with time. And, you know, their players have had tough seasons, so it was nice to see them get a good run out and get that sort of, you know, a reassurance that they're not actually some pub players. They can actually play football. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because these players have been viewed as as almost uh, just adding very little value to the squad mm. over the course of the season. But it's clear that Pep, you know, for all the things that people say about Phillips and for all the things that people have said about Palmer, because this was meant to be his breakout season, they are still absolutely in the forefront of Pep's mind. And Sergio Gomez, I think, is the exception. And no disrespect to him, but I think he was brought in as a utility mm. man. I think originally the yeah. way that this was looked at was that he was effectively a CFG loan signing unless we didn't bring in a left-back. We didn't bring in a yeah. left-back, therefore Sergio Gomez stuck yeah. with the squad. But I'm going to leave him aside a second because I, I, I don't want to make any unfair judgments on Gomez and we don't know what the club's intentions are with him. But where Phillips is concerned... Just hold your damn horses. We've seen this before. We've seen it with Grealish. Mm. We've seen it with Rodri. We've seen it. So I don't need to list them all off again. You know, other than Ruben Diaz and Erling Haaland, almost every single Pep signing has needed a year to bed in. So let's judge Phillips next season. I do believe he'll still be here. Cole Palmer, it was supposed to be his breakout season. Didn't really happen just due to circumstance. You know, Grealish hit his run of form and never once deserved dropping. Uh, Mares comes in and does what Mares does. A little bit inconsistent, but he, he comes up with the gods regularly. Foden's had injury problems, but of course, when he's fit, he plays. So Palmer is just unfortunate by circumstance. But whether Palmer stays around or not, and I do hope he does, he is going to be a good Premier League player. Regardless, he is that level. Can Pep elevate him to the level of being integral to the City squad? Let's wait and see. Um, best or last of the ones you mentioned, Rico, of course. Obligatory oh, Rico mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. But no, look, you know, I think the hug that Pep gave him at the end when they were up on the up on the podium mm. says everything. You know, Pep has said a number of times this season that Rico has been one of the driving factors between. Uh, behind that hunger that the players mm. have got. And it's important to bring in lads like Rico because they've not experienced that before. So these players that have just picked up their fifth Premier League trophy, mm. they're with Rico who's just picked up his first and he's got that hunger to go on and push on and do what the others have already done and inspire them to be even better again. And as a footballer, he's wonderful, he's brilliant, he's talented. And you know, I, I can attest to his, you know, his personal character and his family wonderful people and uh, I know it's the players were walking around the changing rooms with with a few beers and champagnes in hand and Ricard a bottle of Powerade so you know that that, that says a lot about his mentality as well so um, I hope on many levels that he will go on to have a phenomenal career with City but yeah I'm not going to write off any of those four I'm also not going to declare any of those four to be future elite City stars mm. but they all had a good showing today and I think the future can be bright for all four of them. Rico Lewis, a man who has actually been credited with the turning point of the season. That's something we'll delve into in part two. Don't go anywhere. Name a better bargain than goal machine Erling Haaland for £52 million. Well, almost everything available on the Discount Dragon website, of course. It's the best place to find all of your favourite household names for affordable prices, with money to be saved on food, drinks, alcohol, household items and even pet products. 
Move quick and you can grab an extra 5% off all orders using the code CITYPODSAVE. That's 5% off all orders using the code CITYPODSAVE. Limited time only, terms and conditions apply, UK only. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. If you're not already, this is the time you want to be following and subscribing, not only on your podcast platform, but also on social media, City Report pod, wherever you are. Right, okay, then we're going to finish off today's show by sort of looking at the season with a wider lens. Now, obviously, when the dust settles, we'll do a bit of a deeper dive. We'll review the campaign in different methods and sort of where where the best moments were, where the worst moments were, etc. But we'll, let, let's focus on the Premier League. Adam, I mean, I'll hold my hands up and say multiple times and, and quite recently, sort of post-international break, I didn't think City would win the league. It just didn't have that feeling. It didn't have that sort of just the vibe of a league-winning campaign. But sort of since, it's difficult to say, and, and in fact, I'll ask you the question, what was the turning point for you? And I, I know sort of like in sort of uh, collective togetherness, there's quite a few. But if you were to actually point one moment for you where you went, okay, now we could do it. Now this is potentially going to be a league winning campaign, or at least we had the potential to do so. What was the one moment you'd say for you was the uh, was the turning point? I think when you look back at it, it's not one moment, it's 115 of them. <laughs> to, to, to put it plain and simple, I think the the 115 charges from the Premier League of, of alleged financial breaches, mm. um, that was the moment. You know, we came on this podcast in the days after the the charges were announced and kind of discussed, you know, where the club went from there from kind of a long-term point of view and mm. I don't think we could have ever realized how much of an effect it would have on on the team on the pitch. And and we talked about it and said, well, maybe this galvanizes the team or maybe this kind of pops the balloon of of an already deflating season. Um, but you have to say that it, it absolutely galvanized the team. And I, I think mm. since those charges and, and since that famous, now very famous Pep Guardiola press conference where he said things like, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm, moving. I would not yeah, move. This I'm not seat. leaving this chair now more than ever. Where he mentioned legends of the past, saying you know we'd go back into the third division with them, and um, <clears throat> that was the turning point. I, I don't think there was any real turning point on the pitch. I think that was the moment where the team kind of had a discussion with them in themselves and and kind of bought into the us against the world mentality, and they go on to not lose a game since then. So I think you you have to look at that as the turning point, and and um, you know you can say to the Premier League, well, uh, you've made this bed, now you've got to lie in it. It, it's it's poetry almost, isn't it? The fact that it took an investigation that was obviously going on for a long time. I think it was four years or something like that, or, or something. You know, it was it was a multiple. It was a number of years um, since the sort of the first investigation opened that it took dropping those charges. I remember, I remember when they dropped. Actually, I was in a hotel room. We just got beaten by Spurs the night before, and I was. For, for full disclosure, hanging out of my ass, I was dragging myself to make checkout at eleven o'clock, and a news a news story pops through on my phone that Manchester City have been charged one hundred and fifteen times by the Premier League for alleged financial breaches, and I thought, is the world going to collapse in on us? Because obviously, losing away at Spurs isn't something that we're un- we're not used to, but it felt like the lowest moment of what what was turning into a low season. But it's it's fantastic. It's poetry, isn't it, Ollie? That it took that, and I remember the game afterwards at, at Villa. It felt like a cup final. I, like I said to my dad after we left the, that game, like, oh, we've not won anything. But it felt like 
it was a sort of result, sort of a performance sort of atmosphere that warranted a trophy lift at the end of it. And I guess sort of down the line, obviously it has done, but it's weird and fantastic and beautiful that it led to that for City to really click into gear. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? And Before we say that things were going badly, I think our league form all season, we've won every game except two. And we've drawn one and lost one. I don't know. So it, even was, the, it was going badly. Even Pep said that, you know, yeah, the Southampton the, game, it was terrible. And they had to go for meals to reconcile, you know, <clears> in the dressing room, Cancelo, another one. Things weren't going well. And I think that sort of period around that time really did have an impact. Yeah, no, don't don't get me wrong. We didn't look ourselves, even though even at home we were still picking up the results. Mm. But away we were struggling, yeah. And <clears throat> it was clear that there were some issues in the dressing room, as you say, with Cancelo. And... I, I will agree with everything Buck has said, in short, that the Premier mm. League charges dropping were absolutely... They, they galvanised the club, they galvanised the fans, the squad, the backroom, everything. Don't remember exactly where I was when I heard about the charges, but I actually just laughed at the time um, when I saw it. Because my, my initial thought, honestly, was there isn't anything you can actually do to us that, w- that would mm. hurt that much because we've seen it. And the hilarious thing is a lot of City fans would welcome a season or two or five in the lower leagues again. We don't really care. So do what you want. We're not asked, in short. But yeah, I, I had a laugh. But in terms of on the pitch and how it, it, it did absolutely transform our season, we had, I'm just looking now, the charges were announced, as you say, the 6th of Feb, which was the day after Spurs. We then, we beat Villa at home on that day, which was a, a mm. cracking atmosphere. Um, we beat Arsenal away following that. Couple more dodgy results: Forest draw away, Leipzig draw away, and then since then we've just powered on and mm. on and on. So you have to look at that, but I'm sure there are some other smaller details, like as you say, Chancelo leaving the club. Um, it's it's a shame because he's a wonderfully talented footballer, but he was obviously causing issues in that dressing room. Um, blaming certain players for for his absence from starting lineups or whatever it might be. But look, that's Chancelo's modus operandi, isn't it? We kept him happier than he has been. We kept him happy for a longer period than he has been at his previous clubs, but he's flounced out of every single club that he's ever been. So um, my dad said to me that he'd be worried if Arsenal picked up Chancelo. I wouldn't be worried because as soon as things start going wrong for them, Mm. he's going to be leading the discontent within that changing room. So... Yeah, um, turning point, definitely the charges, Chancello, maybe the, the, the attitude and general mood of the fans as well changed. Uh, a couple of good results and also Pep stopped tinkering. That's one more thing. It took us a while really to figure out how to get the best out of a situation where we had Erling Haaland, we had this number nine, and we didn't have any real fullbacks. Once Pep finally got that formula right with the inverted right back slash false centre back of John Stones. That's when we started pushing on, um, really on all fronts, tactically, performances, results, fans, club, the lot. So a few things married up beautifully and it's brought us to where we are now. And yeah, it, a really sort of fantastic second half of the season and and it's obviously World Cup break doesn't help it, but it's difficult to think back to the the early part of the campaign because... I genuinely don't know how I felt at the time. I don't know when we were sort of beating teams, you know, with relative ease, but Haaland would score a couple of goals and we'd be a bit shaky at the back. Like, I don't know what my thoughts were. Obviously, Arsenal were leading. It's difficult to go back to it, basically. Um, but, Adam, what is sort of... If we if we were to maybe, like, between the three of us put together three matches that stick in the memory as, you know, not necessarily 
the best performances, but well, well, maybe that plays a part in it. But you know, the free moments, the free matches of this season. If we sort of open up a a little uh, a little briefcase and chuck them in there, and we can think about them throughout the years. What 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 are you going to stick in there first? Because there obviously was some. There was Manchester derby win. There've been some incredible matches at the Etihad Stadium. Um, obviously Champions League as well, but that isn't Premier League. But in terms of the actual the Premier League matches, the ones where you thought, okay, these are definitive for the for the Premier League title race. Give us one to start off with. Just one. Just one. Yeah, we'll go. For, we'll go one. One for each person. Uh, I think it's easily City coming from behind to beat Tottenham at home four two. And mm. you know you have to remember the context of that game with City going down two nil. I think it was two Emerson Royale goals right before. Oh um, my god! Right yeah. before <laughs> halftime, and 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 the wider picture of what was going on in the season at that time. You know, this comes in one week. City go to Southampton in and in, in the F, yeah, the EFL Cup quarterfinal, which mm. Pep says is probably the worst performance he's ever seen his team play at City. Mm. Three days after that, we have the Manchester Derby defeat with the now infamous Rashford offside goal, mm. and then City, you know, play a forty-five minutes of stinking football, and that's a game when Kevin De Bruyne was dropped, not for any sort of physical reasons, but simply mm. because he had been bad for a long time at mm. that point. He gets dropped, and Ilkay Gundogan and, and Julian Alvarez are kind of playing in midfield together, and the vibe around the season at the end of that 45 minutes was some of the worst I've felt since probably Liverpool mm. were 10 to 15 points clear in, in 2020. Um mm. And they come from behind in, in that very astonishing second half. They score four goals in the, in the second half. And um, I remember texting into a group chat with with some friends of mine saying, if they come from behind and win this, they're winning the league. And it was, it was kind of <laughs> tongue-in-cheek in a way, but I just felt like, I don't know, it, it felt like a momentous night. And then you go and if you look at the – Results after that, you know, they go to Wolves and they win. They win three 0 Or actually, Wolves. I think they it was a home game, but then they beat Arsenal yeah. in the FA Cup, which at the time Arsenal was kind of flying. Um, so there was still some poor results after that game, but in, in the context of the season, to if you lose that game at home to Tottenham with Emerson Royale scoring a couple of goals just after the Rashford goal, just after getting knocked out of the cup by mm-hmm. by Southampton. I mean, who knows the kind of depths that that City could have plummeted to from that point. And and the interesting part about that game was the post-match press conference from Guardiola where he did not sort of uh, sit back and just sort of say it was a good game and the team played well. He ripped into the place, even though they won 4-2. And I think that, you know, you're right there. I know Sam Lee wrote about it in The Athletic earlier earlier this week about that being one of the games where the squads, they, they flipped. You know, they had that meal at the Ivy um, after the Manchester Derby defeat, obviously the terrible first half against Spurs and sort of, Maybe that was the turning point. Oli, any other matches that sort of stick out for you? Um, obviously, Adam's entry was midway in the season from what was a decent start to the campaign, but not necessarily a blistering one. And then obviously from that point on, City really clicked into gear. So are you going before the World Cup? Are you going after the World Cup? Are you going before the Tottenham game after it? What was the sort of the game for you that sticks out? I'm going to go a little bit earlier. I mean, I'm just funny. I'm looking through the fixtures now and all the results and like, all the feelings Mm. The context of each one start flowing back. You know, I'm thinking about Brentford. We lost at home just before the World Cup, right before the World Cup break. It's like we had to sit and chew on that for five weeks. Mm. But the one I'm going to go with, actually, 
because it's even more interesting in hindsight, is the derby at the Etihad. So we beat United 6-3, Foden hat-trick, Haaland hat-trick. And that was before we had all the issues and things weren't going right and we needed that turning point. And I'm going to pick that one out as our, almost like a an uninitiated Thanos moment because we destroyed United so hard, but we didn't really have everything figured out yet. Mm. So it's like we're looking at these players, like what Haaland's just done to them and Foden, De Bruyne in that game. It's like, we have all this power, but we don't quite know yet how to use it. Mm. We don't know how to wield it yet. And obviously everything that came after that with the tinkering, the bad results, the bad run, and then finally getting everything to click and going on this winning run. So I just want to point out that game as the moment where we kind of realised that we have um, a, a level of power that's maybe not been held in a Premier League team before, but we're just not quite ready to tune it yet, or we're still in the yeah. process of tuning it. And obviously from there, eventually we got it right. But I think that that was the first warning sign that we had some seriously special potential in this squad. Yeah, it was the it was the thunder before the lightning, or the lightning before the thunder, whichever way you want to sort of nice reference, whichever way nice you, yeah you want to you want to sort of see it. And obviously, with a Norse god, you can make all sorts of different metaphors there. I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna I'm gonna yield host privileges as I often do, and I'm gonna chuck two in there, and I'm gonna start off with the Chelsea away match because I think more than anything about getting three points, though, obviously, Riyad Mahrez scored in the second half. One of the most important parts of that game for me was Jack Grealish getting an assist. And it came at the start of what was probably and still remains Jack Grealish's best ever spell in a City, albeit sort of uh, fledgling City career, it has to be said. But he pops up, he comes on in the second half. Obviously, Guardiola started with uh, Kyle Walker and Cancelo on, on, on the same side, basically. Cancelo playing right wing. It was a terrible, terrible first half. He managed to go in at nil-nil. Jack Grealish and Riyad Mahrez come on in the second half. They both combine. And since then, Jack Grealish has gone on to get a goal or an assist against the likes of Arsenal, against the likes of Liverpool, um, obviously Chelsea in that game as well. A, a, a true big game player. And I think he's been crucial to City's um, Premier League win. And, and finally, to sort of round it off quite nicely, I'm going to say the Everton away game because that felt like, obviously, we did lots of build-up to it, but we, we said at the time, you know, in between the two Real Madrid clashes, that felt like a match that really could be a banana skin. And if City had, had dropped points there... We would have gone into Sunday's game against Chelsea behind Arsenal in the table because Arsenal would have, you know, inevitably won two out of two and they'd have taken the lead again. So City would then have to win win against Chelsea. They'd have to go to Brighton, win that game, and probably get points against Brentford in the final day. And, and it just felt like a cup final. I, I felt like, you know, in that in the way that City got the goals in such quick fashion and then really killed Everton off without any much hassle. And then obviously. Brighton beating Arsenal later on in the day, which was a fantastic result. But um, Adam, the weird thing is there's, there's still so much to come, isn't there? Or at least we hope there's still much to come. And I'm going to give you an awkward question to finish off. And I know the answer already, but we, we have to do it. If City don't go on to win any of the two finals they're in um, between now and the end of the season, does this season finish as a disappointment for City? Again, I know the answer, but there does feel like we're building towards something now if it was just the Premier League says he finished with and how lucky we are to have it, there would be a sense of, oh, bloody hell, we've missed out there. Would there not? Would there? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think there would be. And I think I'll make it an Arsenal comparison here. If you had told me at the end, at the beginning of this season, 
the, the opening day, if you say City are going to win the league by 10 or so points, Holland's going to set the goal record, KDB might come you know, close to, to setting the assist record, um, Julian, Alvarez, Julian Alvarez is going to make a, have a breakout season and kind of cement himself as another top striker in the Premier League. And, and all these kind of incredible things that we've seen, if, if you offer me that at the beginning of the season, plus a Premier League trophy, I'm, I'm going to snatch your hand off it. Uh, mm. You snatch your hand off for it. But but now that we're here and you're kind of mm. at the final two rungs of the ladder, then yeah, it would be a disappointment to not at least come away with one of the two remaining trophies. Um, similarly, like I said, making an Arsenal comparison, if you had offered them second and 80-plus points in the league and Champions League qualification, they, you know, they would have, like I said, snatched your hand off for it. But But they're going to be a bit disappointed with the fact mm. that they were on top of the league for for such a long time and, and didn't close it out. So it's kind of, you know, sliding expectations depending on where we are in the season. And I think at this point, when with this team, with the unbeaten streak that they're on, you only need to win two games to kind of etch your name into history. Uh, yeah, it, it would be a disappointment. And I don't, I don't want that to sound like I'm coming from a place of greed because I'm very adamant on this podcast that for me, for a start, football isn't about winning anything, period. It's just not why I watch football. And, you know, winning Premier Leagues and winning three in a row, it's a, it's an incredibly incredibly amazing thing that we are all very grateful to have, have witnessed. But at this moment, when you're when you're that close and you, you got, you know, kind of got your hands around two major trophies again, yeah, you, you gotta win them. Yeah, as Adam said, the, the expectations change in the context of how you're doing and what you're doing. Um, I don't think we should ever expect a treble, even now. Should we expect to beat United at Wembley? Yes. Should we beat to, Should we expect to beat Inter in Istanbul? Yes. Should we expect a treble? I mean, that's ridiculously entitled. Um, and it's not something we should subscribe to. But look, we've, we've got to... I hate to be cliche almost pep or pepological about this but game by game now you know game by game let's get through the next couple of Premier League games where we keep up some momentum and make sure that the right players are rested and that we don't take any injuries and then from there who knows who knows but yes in isolation is this a good season prior to the beginning of the season to win the league yeah absolutely um we're favourites, we've got the quality to do it, we've got Pep, we've got the lads, we've got faith in them all, and, oh God, I'm so nervous, <laughs> right? Mm. Just when you think about it, like the the, the, the the achievement that possibly lies in front of this club, um, but I, I am going to be Pep-logical and say, look, just, just one game at a time, let's get through the next couple of Premier League games, enjoy the conclusions for a season where we've already wrapped up the title nice and early, and then go on and go forth and, uh, and make history. I think it has to be mentioned that, you know, if you offered any of these players or, or Pep one game against United and one game against Inter Milan to, to you know, wrap up a treble, they'd obviously take it. But there, it has to be mentioned that there are, you know, there's outside factors now. This is probably the most that United have had to play for in God knows how long. I mean, they haven't really been in a title race. What's the last time they were in a title race? They finished second to us. 2017 18, mm. but that was by 20 odd points. Um, this is probably the most that United have had to play for in a decade. And that's just stopping mm. City from winning the treble. That's that's their cup final. I think Ali said mm. it on the on the podcast last week. Their cup final is not a cup final. It's it's stopping City. 
and and the same yeah. the same kind of goes for Inter Milan that they kind of you know they come into this game and all the talk will be about the comparisons of the costs of the squad and the resources of of the Premier League and City versus the resources of Inter and Serie A and they'll kind of have nothing to lose in a sense. So there are these kind of added factors that we have to to consider. But if you offer Pep and 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 the rest of the team in August one game against United, one game against Inter Milan to to win a treble, then you know you you absolutely take that. The the other thing that we've got going for us, sorry Amos, um, the other thing that we've got going for us here is that we've had that pain. We've been through it. Mm. If this was the first time that we've reached the Champions League final again, I think I'd be a bit more concerned. But a lot of these players now have experienced pain in, firstly, the FA Cup. You know, as you said, it's not something that we're actually used to winning under Pep, despite all the competition, all the trophies that we have won. And of course, the Champions League, we, we went through a lot of pain against Chelsea. We went through it last year against Madrid. We are a mature, more mature and complete squad. And... I will be very, very, very surprised, if not obviously extremely hurt, but very surprised if these players let this slip now because they've, they've been through the grinder, they've experienced loss and defeat in these competitions. Uh, I think we are the most set that we ever will be to go and win a treble. So it's up to them now. So it's up to whichever 11 lads step on the pitch against United. Same for Inter. Um, they know what they've got to do. <sighs> Best is yet to come. Here's hoping. Um, that was a great show, guys. As always, if you do appreciate us, we appreciate you. Hit follow, hit subscribe. We are here every day this week reveling in Manchester City's yet another Premier League title win. Off to Brighton on Wednesday night for another, what should be another cracking night. Um, guys, thank you very much. Adam, cheers. Thank you. Ollie, thank you. Thank you. And until next time, thank you very much. We'll see you later. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.